This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 209, recorded on April 9th, 2015. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of the class. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in here. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios. In a really weird uh, Bellevue, Nebraska today, we started out with a little bit of rain, and then this afternoon it turned over to snow, but it was like hard pelting, like somebody called it like hail snow. It was the weirdest thing it's done now, so and no accumulation, but... Uh, Weird weather out here in the Midwest, and now that Mike's joining me on a regular basis, we can uh, commiserate about the weather out here in Nebraska. Yeah, it was very wet, very like heavy, wet snow that was almost hard, yeah. Yeah, super thick. In fact, the, the kind of snow that brings down trees if it snows too long, right? Right, and, so, and if it freezes, but right. it's still pretty warm, yeah. so I think, I think we'll be okay. I think we're going to be okay. And, of course, we post the, sh- the, uh, the show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course you can contact me. Send me an email, jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can find me on Twitter, just at Jay Collison. And uh, you can also call in those questions, 402-478-8450. You should really put that into your phone so that when you discover something new, a tech tip, uh, something, right, a big discovery, you can just call me, and that will go right to my voicemail, and then we'll play that on the show. So... 402, wait a minute, stop the car for a second, find the pen that's down there and the, it's buried underneath the seat. Pick that up, right? Just don't get in an a, into an accident. 402-478-8450. We'll get you there and we'll play those right here on the show. The Average TheAverageGuy.tv, of course, is powered by Maple Grove Partners, web hosting. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know. We know them. That's Christian, Christian and his dad. For more information, visit Maple Grove Partners. He was, I was just talking with Christian here before the show. They are actually on uh, two and a half months of no downtime. So since bringing the new servers up, they are absolutely rock solid over there. MapleGrovePartners.com. I want to thank Roger over at WLMN Radio at WLMNRadio.com for streaming us live. Uh, kind of a new thing that we've been trying uh, now that uh, Mike has joined us on the network. We are actually streaming live right now, Grafton, West Virginia. And so if you're listening in West Virginia, I want to welcome you to Home Gadget Geeks. Kind of fun to get into a new to a new space and to be broadcasting over terrestrial radio. So excited about that. Roger, thanks for doing that for us. And Home Gadget Geeks, of course, is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts, including a redesigned logo for for uh, for Mike's Open Mic Night uh, that will get posted out there, and we'll be adding that to the network as well. Yeah, it's all coming together. Yeah. No, Mike, uh, since we brought you in, welcome to uh, Home Gadget Geeks. Good to have you back on a semi-regular basis here at this point. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. It's good to have you. It's kind of good to have a regular host uh, now. It's been a while. You know, we started with Andrew and and uh, Christian. Of course, Christian has since spun off into uh, Cyber Frontiers. So if you haven't been out to TheAverageGuy.tv, you might want to check it out. A lot of great podcasts out there, including the stuff that we do for Home Server Show, uh, SurfaceGeeks.net, and then the podcast I do for Ask the Podcast Coach. But a lot of good stuff going on out there, and uh, it fit really nice to have Mike in here. Of course, we have a chat room. If you're new to us, we have a chat room out at TheAverageGuy.tv slash live. You can join us right there, and we got a couple good guys uh, going in. Um, we've had, had some problems, speaking of the chat room, we're having some problems with the chat room, uh, with chat room and chat wing, and, and I'm going to give it a couple more weeks. Christian's actually going to 
try some stuff to see if we can make it better, but you really got to pop it out into a separate window now, and you can't see it on the live page, and we've got all kinds of things going on with it. So it's not re it's not refreshing properly. So, Mike, I may give your chat service a try. Is that what what are you using? I use a service called Midit, I believe is what it's called, and it's all it's just IRC. So just old school IRC chat. Yeah, it's Mibit.com. So this, the bad part about it, though, is there's ads on the chat box, ah. and you can't take them out. So there's no paid version. There's nothing like that. It's just what you see is what you get. So Yeah, well, I'd, I'd love to find, you know, the, the, the Google Plus page is not very good for it. And, uh, you know, that that chat is like three lines per person. It's just not very good. It's, you know, so... Chat's been a hard thing that's been hard to find. I really don't want to set up my own chat server. Not really interested in right. doing something like that. So we've got uh, we we'll have we'll have some decisions to make here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, for now, uh, don't forget if it doesn't seem like people are chatting out there, you might want to hit the refresh button just to make sure you yeah, are. Yeah, but definitely pop most. it out. I've noticed that that definitely helps. If you pop it out. Uh, you're no longer on the average guy site. You, when you pop it out, it actually opens it from Chatwing. Works a little bit better. So. Yeah, that's that's what I recommend for sure. And it's well, they can't see it at theaverageguy.tv/live now because the SSL encryption blocks it. So, do want to? Uh, I do want to say thanks to Photobox Live who came over from Meerkat. So, oh, that's awesome. Before I didn't the show, anything. Mike and I, we've been talking about it uh, off camera for the last couple of days as we were thinking about this podcast. We're like, should we talk about Meerkat and and, uh, and Periscope? And uh, and so uh, today, before the show, we I'll explain what those are here in just a second. But about ten minutes before we started in the pre-show, we both Mike started Periscope, I started Meerkat, and we were streaming. So what they are, they're basically just easy ways to do one-way streaming. So me showing what's on my camera very, very quickly out through a feed. Uh, mo both of them go through Twitter, and, uh, and you can just uh, bring that up. The apps are available on iOS only at this point. And, and, uh, but if you have the app, it'll invoke the app. And then, man, the video is dynamite on it. I was watching Ray Ortega's video last night. Super good quality. Uh, Mike, what's been your experience with Periscope? Same thing. Super high-quality video. Um, and what I like about it is it kind of grew, Meerkat got out there, and then Periscope, I think, kind of came on their coattails and got really popular as well. So when I go on there, what I like about it now is that it's popular, but it's still kind of limited. There's not too many people streaming. So the people that are streaming, it's actually usually pretty good content. Um, in the past day or so, there's been a little bit more on the spammy side, so people will hop in and really spam the chat. Um, but overall, I think it's a really cool concept. Um, so tonight was my first one right before the show I just did my first periscope and I had 20 people hop right in right when I did it so I was I was shocked because that was my first one ever and I only have seven followers on there so 20 people in the first two seconds and I only had seven followers so there's some sort of mechanism that they're getting these promoted out on the main screen and the thing I do like about periscope I played with both is periscope has a really nice feed for your followers so when you sign up for periscope anyone you follow on Twitter and if they're on periscope it'll automatically follow them and then you have one feed that says, hey, anyone I'm following, are they live? And you have that page. And then you can also, if there's no one there, you can switch on over to the kind of world view and see who else is streaming. But some really cool ones. Mashable was doing some great periscopes. They had some interviews with some HBO actors and actresses. So that was kind of cool to see. But I've did been kind of addicted to it the past day. Did they have any, like, extra equipment? Or were they just bringing it no. off their phone? Just they right were just off the bringing phone. it off the phone. It was kind of weird because, so I don't know if they had a 
external feed for like a production, you know, a professional production, but they're just sitting there in the interview. They've got their phone out like this, almost like just doing a selfie, and they're just the whole time just holding it out. So interesting. Kind of, yeah. it might be a new thing, might be now acceptable to have your phone out at all times. Well, of course you could do that with a Google Hangout. So it's nothing new, right? With these these things you could do. It's just it's super convenient and super easy and made to kind of do it this way. And the video quality is amazing. That's the right. thing that. Just some crazy good quality coming out of these out of these phones, and so. Well, you could do it with Hangouts, but that was for people that are in there. I think the nice thing about these is that you're kind of connecting to people because you can't live stream from a mobile device, at least on Google Hangouts, right? As far as I know, you can't. No, you can. Oh, you yeah, can. Yeah, you can do a live stream. Yeah, oh. you can start one now. They they got that working. We've we've done that. I've done that from my vehicle. <laughs> driving. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's not great that way, but you know if you're. Someplace where you have good Wi-Fi, you can use Google Hangouts for that. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, the the interesting thing about these one is if you missed getting on Twitter, like if you were in the first year, right? If you missed the first year of Twitter, you might want to check out Periscope or Meerkat because this is this has the feeling of one of those. There's very few people on them right now. It's just a handful. It's brand new. I mean, when I said Meerkat in the chat room, most people are like, "What? What are you talking about?" It still is very, very, very new, and uh, it, it kind of interesting. It's not for everybody, right? Um, let's let's just be honest. You're not not every, some some of you are going to go. Why? You know, why would I do something like that? Now, for Mike and I as content creators, Mike, I I think you could absolutely you're someplace and you could if you just want to do a quick interview, pull that open, bring the phone out, do the interview, and the sound and the video is great. Then save it. Boom, it goes out. You can pull, hopefully. I haven't tested any of this yet, but I think you could pull it down, add it to the podcast, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, and even just kind of doing that ad hoc, the thing I like about it is a lot of the podcasters I follow have started using it, and just kind of like how we were tonight, it kind of gives you that behind-the-scenes sort of feel. So you've got these podcasters, and, and you almost connect with them on a completely different basis. So everyone's used to hearing my podcast, and they know kind of my podcast voice. They know how I present myself in my podcast. But if I start periscoping, from, you know, my other aspects of my life. It kind of adds that second dimension and kind of builds that deeper connection with your audience, I think. So I've actually really liked seeing some of the people I follow in a whole different light. You know, kind of like Ray Ortega, he's a little more transparent in his podcast, but it was kind of cool seeing his, you know, boxing up mixers. That's what he was doing last Were night. Were you watching just, that? Yeah, I was watching that, too. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's just kind of, it adds that whole nether dimension, which I like. Yeah. Well, interesting to say the least, and uh, we gave it a try. And well, Mike and I will probably be doing some form of that in the pre-show for the next couple weeks, anyways. Just to, it, it's kind of cool to put it in a different. It gives you like in this case, I had Meerkat on my desk pointing this way, going across the screen this way, and I I put you in a window right here that then they could see you, and then I turned my speakers up so they could hear me and hear you, and it. It added you to this. I mean, it was kind of a unique way of adding you to the podcast or to the stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I got to figure out a way to do that for next week. So, yeah, well, uh, it, it'll be fun nonetheless. Uh, check those out. Periscope, uh, Twitter owns Periscope now. At this point, they bought it, and then Meerkat is in, is independent. They are comp they're competitors in what they're doing. They're both trying to do the same thing. And right now, it seems like those two have the most traction in this space. And again, it's not for everybody, so I'm sure not. All of you are going to just run out and go, yeah, hey, this is going to work for me. Many of you will say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, and and that's okay. 
right? It's not to, it's yeah. not necessarily for everybody. I need to, my camera's all wonky. Um, all right, let's dig in a little bit. Uh, that's that's kind of cool. A little geek news t- uh, t- uh, tonight's show is all going to be news. We're just going to kind of roll through some stuff, some stuff that because of guests and other topics and stuff we haven't got a chance to cover. It's been a big it's been a big press week for technology. When we think about the Surface announcement, when we think about some Xbox announcements, when some YouTube announcements, all these things. Uh, many of these we've covered, like we're going to talk a little bit about the Surface 3, but we're not going to go in-depth because it's, it's covered. We covered it over at surfacegeeks.net on the last podcast. So if you want to in-depth on the Surface 3 and a discussion with a couple guys that really dug into it and hadn't got Dave got to touch one and has one, uh, you might want to head over to surfacegeeks.net. Uh, got a full podcast on it. But there are some things I want to highlight, and Mike, some things I want to talk to you about when it comes to this because of kind of your Apple focus. So that's kind of where we're coming from. Let's uh, Before we dig into that, though, let's dig in a little bit of YouTube news. And as content, again, as content creators, this kind of plays in for both of us. Uh, YouTube announced a paid subscription for offline viewing option this week. It won't be available until later in the summer or fall. Uh, that's available. But uh, and, and some tentative pricing was announced. But it, what it looks like here in the future is you are going to be able to pay about $10 to get the get rid of the ads on YouTube. Um, and so if you, just last night I was doing a bunch of YouTube watching and big obnoxious ads kept popping up. And I was just like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'm, I'm a big, I hate YouTube subscription model to begin with, the way people can subscribe, but it really means nothing when it, right, as far as what that subscription means. Mike, from your standpoint as a content creator on YouTube, with this, and it, and it looks like we're going to get a chance to share in some of the revenue, but I think you're going to not make very much money. They're, they've kind of the way they've kind of set this up. I don't see us make a lot of money. What do you think? Ten dollars to get rid of the ads? You know, the ten dollars, I'm okay with ads, and I don't know if that's just because I've gotten so used to them, or because I'm a YouTube content creator myself. So I have no problem kind of watching ads. I'll, sometimes I'll even just watch the ad if I like the person because I know they make a you know an extra penny or half a penny if I do it. So for me, I'm fine watching ads, and I probably won't pay the ten dollars. But the thing that kind of caught my eye was how content creators now can go ahead and put their videos up behind a paywall on YouTube which is interesting. Uh, I think it's something that people have wanted to do for a while, especially some of the bigger people who, you know, obviously have a big following. I think this isn't going to be for the average YouTube producer. It's going to be for the high-end people, but it's still an interesting concept, but something that for the YouTube viewer, we're going to have to get used to the fact that if we watch YouTube for free, we might not be getting all the content that we're used to getting from these creators. So, yeah, it's going to and there's going to be some lower price subscription options as well for categories like music and children's programming. And uh, they're hinting uh, about an invite-only beta uh, that's out there going on right now. But uh, And right now the cost for some of those is about $7.99 for those areas. So they're flirting with this. I don't know. uh, The chat room's responding to it like, I'm I'm not going to pay $10 to to do that on YouTube. But they are, you know, if you look at Vimeo's uh, model, as far as you know, we pay. The average person would probably pay $200 a year, I think, is what it is to get a re- the the good plan at uh, at Vimeo. And then I can actually lock down those videos. I can make them private if I want to. I can share them. I can manage them pretty easy. Where you can do that on YouTube, it's just a little difficult. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And so, some uh, some new things coming with it. It does look like if you're a content creator, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to opt into this. 
at this point. I, I'm not sure, at least as I read, it doesn't look like we get a choice very, very much. It's like you're in or you're out. And if you're out, nobody's seeing your stuff. Right? right? Did you get that impression from the article? Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much that exact impression, which I don't know really how I feel about that, but, you know, I guess that's the way it's going to have to be. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, a subscription, watch the news. Uh, I think it's going well, to be a couple months before we really see or hear any of this, but it's interesting. YouTube just happens, right? People just use YouTube. They don't even really think about it. Uh, it just kind of happens, and uh, and so for us though, it's a big deal when we think about uploading our videos and how our videos get SEO and how people consume them. And you know, I would like a better. You, what what I don't like about YouTube is they have a terrible subscription engine that um, uh, doesn't really work very well. And what how I'd like it to work is for me to have a video, have a console like a podcatcher when I go to YouTube and things that I've been waiting to watch or wanting to watch are kind of there. It's kind of there. There's something kind of like it, but nobody uses it, right? I mean, no. when's the last time you said, I'm going to go, somebody said, I'm going to go check out the videos on my that I've subscribed to on YouTube, said by no one ever. Right? <laughs> well, and it made subscriptions kind of useless. I mean, yeah, they do show up on your homepage and you do see them sometimes, but overall, I think it's definitely not as useful as it used to be. And side note, I'm seeing terrible upload numbers on my end. Are you? Am I coming across very yeah, boring? you're a little grainy. Do me a favor. Just take your uh, take your video and drop it a notch so yeah. that it's it's not trying so hard to. Uh, we don't want to completely lose you. Let's uh, try that. And you, oh wow, that moved Can't. you up really. That moved you up close on that one. Your what kind of video camera do you have? What are you using? C920. Yeah. So I don't know what's up with my network tonight, but yeah. you know the one thing I thought about is. This is the first time I've streamed both the to the radio station and to you on the same computer, and I don't know if that's making a difference or not. It shouldn't. You know, you'd think that the audio wouldn't be too much bandwidth, but um, yeah, I mean, my I have a, a indicator on my computer, and it says my upload is 62 kilobits per second, which is terrible. No, but my download, great. you're in high def. You look fantastic. Yeah. But my upload is not good right now, so I don't know what's up. Your audio's not bad, and most of our listeners are audio listeners, so it's, right. Uh, so I think we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, as long I as can you can bump it down more if you want one more. The Drashna thinks you might be being DDoSed right now, so you'll have oh, to man. have to check that. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Surface real quick because last week we're a week away from a Surface Three announcement, and if you've been under a rock or you haven't been following the tech news, of course, Microsoft uh, announced a brand new Surface device. Uh, it's a kind of a it's it's this isn't like a uh, a redone. It's a little bit like the Surface 2, right, which was an RT device, but this is a full Windows device. It's running a full Intel processor. It's designed to run a full version of Windows. Of course, today it'll come with Windows 8.1 on it, and if you buy one of these, they're not available. They're, they're available right now for pre-order. Uh, they've been in the stores for a week. I got a chance to head out to our West Road store here in Omaha and check out, take a look at them. They were a little suspicious of me as I was messing around with all of them. They came by and I said, hey, I'm an MVP. And oh, so then they started talking to me and I spent about an hour and a half at the store. I was there for quite a while uh, kind of messing with their stuff. But uh, uh, very nice machines, very light, just just over a pound, 10.2-inch uh, screen, a three-position kickstand, a new power adapter, which, by the way, uses the same, um, you know, this uses the same adapter as every other thing on the planet uh, at this point. Almost every other thing, except those silly silver laptops that this fruity company makes. Uh, who's who's making the change? <laughs> and um, uh, new, a new updated keyboard, new, uh, new type keyboard that's available for it. 
as well as a brand new logo on the back. So a silver Microsoft, uh, really nice logo, some uh, some hints of Apple there in that logo as well, and a better camera. And uh, price point drops start. They start at 4.99, uh, just as a, as an option. But really, 4.99 doesn't mean 4.99 because you got to add a keyboard to it, and then you probably want to get a docking station, and and you're probably going to need a pen uh, that does not include the pen. That's I've got a, a pen here for my Surface Pro uh, three, the, the the Core i3, and these you're going to pay for. And so you know probably $800 is the price point for those a Core. Uh, a core, no, not a Core M, an Atom processor that's in there, X7. Yeah, fairly zippy. It'll do what, it, what you want to do for browsing. Mike, I want to ask you, though, the, the real key on this is, you know, this is an absolute shot at the iPad at this point, right, as far as price point and, and full version of Windows and a full version of Office, and even though Microsoft has made Office available on the iPad now. As you look at this from, your, from the Apple side of things, how intriguing is this to you as a Windows laptop? I have to say it's extremely intriguing only because it's something I wish Apple would do and I've something I've wished Apple would do for the past two years. Apple keeps updating their iPad, but when you look at the software that's on the iPad, it's still running that really limited iOS that really hasn't changed since the iPad came out. I mean, obviously there's been improvements to it, but what I would love to see is just like Windows has been doing with having a full, maybe not even a full version of Mac OS X, but something like that on the iPad. I find myself honestly remoting into my Mac from my iPad just so I can have something like that. And it's wonky and it's awful. But, you know, at this point, so I have the iPhone 6 Plus and I have my old iPad, which is an iPad 3. And if I am if I want iOS, if I want that kind of limited version of the operating system, I might as well just do it on my iPhone. Because for me, it's not that much smaller of a screen. And the iPad really, it's kind of fallen out of my way. It's my, it's my mixing board app now. <laughs> and that's about all it does. Because, uh, yeah, there's just, it's kind of, useless for me right now because all it is is a bigger screened iPhone. And so it's extremely intriguing to me to have this Surface 3, especially at that same price point and size. If I was a Windows guy at all, if I had ever used Windows beyond any of my Apple stuff, it would it would definitely be a, a purchase for me. Yeah, I think if you're in the Windows ecosystem, you got to give it a serious look. Rennie in the chat says the Surface is pretty spendy there in Australia. And and they, they don't get the cheap tech like we do. If it's coming from the United States, it's always a little more expensive. Um, you, he, you know, he also mentions you could probably get a nice, pretty nice 15-inch laptop. There are cheaper machines. I mean, for $499, you can get a pretty, na- pretty nice Asus laptop that might or might not be touch. It might have a little more RAM in it than the, the Surface that comes that comes with two and four gig of RAM in there. And two is just insane. Uh, come on, Microsoft, <laughs> just make that four. Make the the floor needs to be four, right? That should be the very minimum anybody should ever have in what they're doing. And I know they're, they're doing some efficiencies on that as well, but it just needs to be four gig of RAM in that. But Well, especially um, if you're running a full operating system. You know, if you're running something limited, you don't need four. But if you're having that full operating system on there, four is definitely, I agree, the floor. Yeah. No, that's what I like from it. Um, a pretty nice device. I think you're going to get a super light, and it's super versatile. So you are buying a tablet, right? This is... Don't don't don't, uh, don't be confused. This is a premium device. They've worked hard to jam those batteries in there. You know, the, the verdict's still out on batteries. How will they do? I don't know. We'll see in the next couple of weeks as some real-world stuff comes in. I think they're promising something like 10 hours. Good luck uh, if you're, if you're going to get that. But I'd even take nine. That's a full work day, you know, if you're on it. If I could get a solid nine hours, chances are 
that's going to get me in one uh, going to get me in one charge and uh, it works I've used the pro uh, I have the the core i3 pro at um, uh, here I've taken that to work and I get almost a full day out of six hours maybe and so uh, that works out pretty well but it, it's it'll be interesting to see how this Surface Pro is received. I'm sorry, the Surface 3 is received. The good news is, like the Pro, upgrade to Windows 10 when it comes out this fall. And I know Microsoft says this summer, but it's really going to be this fall. Uh, free upgrade to Windows 10, and you're up and running and you're in. And so a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going around in the Windows ecosystem. Speaking of Windows, uh, we had in pre-show, we were talking a little bit about, I think it was somebody in your uh, Periscope was talking about Windows 10. Yeah, uh, they were. In there. And so... Um, of course, I've installed Windows 10 on my Surface Pro 3. Probably not the best idea if you want to make it a full productivity machine. It has Windows 10, still has some problems. It crashes from time to time. I've seen a few blue screens of death. That's what I would expect. It's a beta product, right? I'm, I'm testing it for Microsoft. I was listening to Windows Weekly just on the way home, and, uh, and Gabe, all, Gabe All yeah, was on there. He's kind of the Microsoft guy that is... Um, kind of keeping everybody abreast of what's going on. He's in charge of the Insider program at Microsoft. Three million people have signed up for the Insider program. Half a million of them are using Windows 10 daily at this point, which I thought, wow, how awesome to have a half a million testers using Windows 10 on a day, uh, on a day-to-day basis. Mike, one of the things Windows 10 came, have you messed with it at all in any of your, you, you probably don't have the hardware to even do it. No, I don't. I messed with it on someone else's machine for about 15 minutes and that's about all I had and I was just clicking around having some fun. So, no, I have not. It's, um, it's interesting to say the least. I'm going to, and actually, let me click over to it real quick. Uh, if you're watching the audio version, I mean, if you're listening to the audio only version of this, uh, I'll just apologize in advance. Let me let me click this over so you can see it. So, I'm actually uh, running. Uh, I'm gonna run. I'm running Windows 10 right now on the Surface Pro 3. So you can see that right here. I have it connected to the live stream. So, the start screen is what you'd expect. You can see these on screenshots. I'm not gonna go through a full demo on it, but I do want to show you some highlights that we have because we're gonna talk about Spartan here in just a second. But this gives you an idea when you go to start. I can I can uh, squeeze that down if I want to. You know, and send it back down to kind of what the Windows 8 start screen looks like. That's kind of uh, this. And then I could configure every single one of those tiles. I could get rid of them all if I wanted to. And that would get it pretty much back to a Windows 7 look and feel. There's still some changes there that uh, that aren't Windows, that wouldn't be Windows 7, though, but uh, a lot of that stuff is available. So if you haven't seen the start screen yet, no, nothing that big of a deal when it comes to, I mean, again, it's, it's very, very similar. You're seeing all the same things that you saw in Windows 7. One of the uh, interesting changes, though, comes in when you talk about the settings. The settings have completely changed. So when we used to have this pretty fancy control panel uh, with some icons that actually meant something, those are all gone now. And, and so this is the new settings or the new control uh, control panel that's available to you. Uh, you might, it looks like my kids drew these. Uh, it's very, very minimalistic when we get to there. And of course, if you want to get on the program and you got extra spare piece of, uh, of equipment, and I would recommend you only go to Windows 10 if you are looking, if, if you've got some spare you know, equipment there. When you come into the, uh, the Windows Update section, it, uh, you, you have an, an Advanced Options tab. And this is where it'll tell you where to install them. And then in a second here, it'll say, which track do you be, want to be on? And if you're on the fast track, right now we're getting updates every couple weeks. And so uh, not a bad way to get in there. You could run it in a VM if you wanted to. If you were uh, running uh, any any of the VM softwares, we'll run uh, Windows 10. The ISOs are available. You can download. 
them as well. Uh, Lopter reminds me the control panel is still there. If I right-click down here and go to the control panel, uh, it will appear. Oh, one second here. Let me. The old the old control panel will still appear uh, the way it always was. There's a lot because they're in the middle of fixing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like this is old Windows 7, and then the settings is looks like the new Windows 10. There's a lot of duplicate stuff going on in there. Speaking of duplicate stuff, if you haven't seen it yet, the new Spartan browser came out with the, the most recent build. So we're on 1040, 10, uh, 149 or 10,049 build. And if you want to see Spartan, there's not a lot. It's not terribly exciting on Spartan. A blue background with a, with a white globe, again, very minimalistic. Uh, you can see it, see it takes a while to get uh, pushed into that. And then um, there's not a lot to it when we get into Spartan. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop over there. And it's not. It's also. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a faster browser. I hope it'll get faster as they go because it's it's still new. I think if I smell if I get close to it, Mike, I can smell the paint. <laughs> still drying a little bit, huh? Yeah. Like, see, it just crashed on me right there, right? And so it's one of those kinds of things. You're like, well, is it there? Is it not there? Um, I had it working a few minutes ago. We'll let it. We'll let it go through its paces here. One second. Um, you, if you're going to go on Windows 10 and you're going to use browser or you're going to use Spartan, you better be ready for some problems. Uh, there you go. It, it finally. So let's close the program. Um, yeah, you just better be ready for some problems. It's it's not completely baked and it's not all there and you can see it just closed out on me. So let's open it back up again. We'll t we'll tempt fate twice. See if it'll uh, do its thing for me. One of the things uh, with Spartan that they're promising, though, is the ability to write. There we go. The ability to write, and of course, the MSN page is always so exciting. So let's go to a better. Uh, let's go to a better site, and we'll go out to theaverageguy.tv. And um, and so one of the cool things that they're really pushing is Spartan, and the only reason right now you'd ever really want it, is the new writing feature. And I mentioned uh, in the show notes, and I'll say it here that. It really looks like they just took OneNote. And Mike, do you use OneNote at all? In, on, yeah, on I actually do on my iPad and on my laptop. I love it. Yeah, so if you use OneNote, you'll recognize this. So again, you might want to head out if you're, if you're a big audio-only guy, you might want to head out to the YouTube page, go to theaverageguy.tv and click on the YouTube icon. It'll take you right there. But um, as I click on the box, let me step away from the mic for a second. So I'm going to click on that. So when I clicked on that, you can kind of see, see, see how the header turned purple? When I did that, and that's of course the color of OneNote. It almost looks like this is a OneNote browser, right? I mean, I, that's just the feeling I get from it when I go into it. So then, what should happen now is I should be able to select. Let me get the pen to sync really quick. So we we get the. This is the other thing. I don't have all the right drivers for the pen on this version of Windows 10 yet, and so there we go. And so it's just a little. When it comes to the pen, it doesn't always recognize it. But let me pop over. So I'm going to change the pen color to black, and then if I wanted to make notes in here in the browser, I could just come right in. Well, again, hold on, let's just make sure this is, I just invoked OneNote. <laughs> Jim, if I hop out, can I hop back in? Yeah, absolutely. Back. I can barely even hear you. So. Oh, okay, yeah, jump out and jump back in. I'll keep, okay. I'll keep going on the demo here. Great. Okay, so, uh, of course, I'm trying to write now in the demo. I've got the pen open, switched over to black, and you can see that I'm able to write um, anywhere I want to you guys and it lets me write on the browser. One of the the beauties of this then is if I wanted to say hey uh, say you were my you're, you're my um, 
graphic designer, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't, I don't see now my pen quit. So we're having a little bit of problems with that. It's like I said, not necessarily ready for prime time. Hey, I don't like that. I want to take that out, and I want you to replace this with something else. Then I could do that. Now, uh, the, the the beauty of this in the future is you're going to be able to share it pretty easy. So today, when I click on the share icon, upper right hand side, it's going to give me some sharing options. Now, this is where it gets super sketchy again, because right now, uh, what should come up is it sa it should say underneath, I can share it out to Project Spartan, so I could save this as an image if I wanted to. Or there should be some Twitter and Facebook and some of those options. When I click on them right now, I get nothing. And even when I do get them, they uh, they don't work very well. They crash. They crash pretty quick. So it's um it, it is definitely a work in progress. I would not necessarily be one, especially on the surface, uh, and the pen functionality. I would not be one to um, to move to this quickly. Dave kind of warned me of that at one point, but I, I was gonna I wanted to give it a shot and say, yeah, no, I'll give it a try and see how that goes. And so um, it's one of those things that, that very very cool and Spartan the ability to write and to share. That's kind of hides the limited footprint of Spartan in a start over of uh, of what was a very very poor ID or IE uh, what a product that had gotten very very bad you know very bad rap. Spartan hopefully will fix that as they forked the you know the the development of that. Um, but it's got a lot of work, and I, I'm I'm thinking, man, they got a lot of work to do between now and fall, if they're expecting this thing to be ready. Uh, and again, I'm not complaining. I'm a I'm a I've sent all these things in uh, via the the upgrade channels, you know, or the, the the customer channels. Mike, when you think on from coming from the Apple side, when you think of Spartan and when you think of IE. Uh, does this show up on your radar at all? I mean, are you kind of glad at least there'll be a new browser for Microsoft? <laughs> well, just knowing from the pains of everyone else, all my Windows friends, and at work, yes, I'm excited about a new browser. But IE has been, at least as far as the systems I've played with at work, sometimes enterprise-wise, it's worked out better. And I know for some of the developers, at least, it's been kind of with the settings-wise. I know it's for some reason I've had to use IE at work for certain applications that work uses. So I'm not sure how it's going to affect the enterprise side. And maybe it won't. But, you know, that's kind of my yeah, ignorance, IE, on the, ignorance on the whole Windows side. Yeah, but. well, IE is still available in the enterprise. You can still get it. So, okay. so it's not replacing IE. It's just a new option. It's going to be, yeah, it's a new consumer option. Okay, right. Okay, and so. Um, there's some questions in chat. Tim, so Windows 10 will, they're, they're shooting for full version upgrade ready this fall. So early, late summer, early fall. That's kind of where I'm anticipating August. That's not that far away. And there's still some, I mean, there's, Windows 10 is a lot more baked than Spartan is, but Spartan's supposed to be available for the new launch. So I really think what we'll see is Windows 10 with no Spartan in it, and then when Spartan's ready, they'll launch it you know, they'll launch it as, a, as an option. So it's, um, you know, and you don't have to upgrade to Windows 10. If you're buying a Windows 8.1 machine, I like Windows 8.1. It's what I run the broadcast server on. I have a Core i7 running Windows 8.1. I actually have a second box that I'm using as a monitor. It runs a big 27-inch monitor. It's, it's on a Core i3. It's Windows 7. I like it there because I use Media Center, right? And so I, Media Center doesn't work or I didn't buy all the right stuff to be able to make that work. Uh, and so that's just kind of how I've chosen to do it uh, here at the Collison House. But 
doesn't mean you have to you have to make the upgrade to Windows 10. It will be free for the first year, so you're going to want to make that jump. I, I you know I wouldn't be one of the first if I was a consumer guy. I necessarily would maybe wait a little bit to make that jump to Windows 10, but they're making progress. So we've got some things uh, they've got some things to work out and uh, be very very careful if you're going to do that now. Okay, real quick uh, because we covered this too on Surface Geeks. Uh, but a, a new announcement again. If you've been under a rock, Windows. If you're a Windows Phone guy, and or you got an extra Windows Phone, like I did, I bought a Lumia 520 Windows 10 Phone or Windows Phone 10. I, don't, I can never remember which way they're going with that one. It's going to be available tomorrow, 10 a.m. I think Pacific. And so if you've been waiting, the very first beta of that was on like four devices. It was super limited. Uh, this release on Friday tomorrow will be for almost every phone. A couple left out. Uh, the uh, the icon and the 920s are left out, 920s or 930s. Um, but most of the phones are included, including my 520, the 635, if you bought one of those cheap Windows phones too, a lot of us tech guys have. Uh, they'll be available. So if you want to try that, if you want to download that this weekend, you can. Available for you out there. Again, that was announced on Windows Weekly this week, but uh, available for you. Um, Mike, any interest in Windows 10 at all for you on the phone? Uh, not really. Just because mainly I'm an Apple guy. Uh, I, I had some interest a while ago in Android, but never really got on the Windows phone kick. Not sure why. They're great phones, and the cameras on the phones are actually really nice. I'm always impressed by those. But the actual operating system, uh, just because I'm not in that ecosystem, it all comes down to, I think, what ecosystem you're a part of. And for me, it's all Apple, so. Yeah. No, that's that's the space you're living, and we won't, uh, at least not in front of you, we won't talk about you. Yeah, you guys can just you know, do that when I hop off. I hop off, so. No, it's good. It's good. I, I'm glad you're, you know, when you, you decided to join us here on the show, I was really glad because it's like we get, I'm, I'm hoping to get a balanced view. Of course, I'm a Windows guy, and you're you're an Apple guy, and, and so we'll, uh, I'm looking forward to kind of working through those things together. We're going to talk about the uh, the new watch here in just a second. I do. Let's just do one more thing on uh, on the Microsoft side. The uh, one of the things I saw you just bought an Xbox. Now, how can you be a yes. Mac guy and have an Xbox? Tell me how that works. Uh, because Mac doesn't make any uh, uh, gaming oh, system. Oh, that's, that's well. right. They don't make a gaming. <laughs> yeah, weird. They're in that market. So, but yeah. So I just bought an Xbox One. I was on the 360 for years, all through college. And then two of my buddies decided they were going to upgrade, and all of a sudden I had no one to play with. And I don't even play that often, but I was like, okay. So I, I made the jump and went to the Xbox One, and I'm ex extremely impressed so far. I haven't even played with all the different features and options, but just as an overall, not even as a gaming device, but as a home entertainment box, I think it's a fantastic option. Uh, whether it's you know how you stream your Netflix, your Hulu to your TV, the capability to plug in your cable box actually to the Xbox One. Now, sadly, I haven't got to play with that yet because I don't have a cable box. I just plug my cable straight into the wall. So I haven't played with that yet. But overall, really impressed with the Xbox One. Obviously, this is old news, though. <laughs> yeah, well, some of the new news, which is pretty cool. We've we've had TV tuners available in Europe now for a couple months. But they're, they're making the announcement that they are going to have a $60 uh, tuner available here in the U.S. Let me see if I can see the date here. The link for the the uh, the link for the CNET article will be in the show notes. Um, they have a tuner that's out today. It costs eighty dollars, but they have a new one coming out in the next few months. Those were quotes, so we don't have an exact uh, day there. Next few months, uh, get that down to sixty, and the availability of of uh, being able to watch your antenna-based HD programs. 
buttons on your Xbox One. That's really cool. Still lacking DVR functionality, right? For me, yeah. still not there. And I think that's got to come. And I think it's coming, honestly. I, I do feel like I don't have any inside information, but I think that's coming uh, because there's just a lot of pressure on that ecosystem right now to get recording. And they can, you can just plug a hard drive into that silly thing and write all that stuff out to the hard drive. So I don't, uh, I, I think that's going, don't you think that's coming pretty quick? It is, but I don't see the rush for it because since you're since the way you do it now is you plug in your cable box to the Xbox One. Your cable box usually has, if you have DVR service, a lot of times you can get it from your cable provider. So you could still watch your DVR material on your Xbox. It's just going through the cable box instead of through the Xbox. But I don't know. Could be an option and could be good to have. But uh, the thing I would like and I what I'm interested in when I saw this link you posted was the cool part about the Xbox One is you can talk to it and say, hey, turn on ESPN, turn on TNT, and it directs you. It kind of talks to your cable box and goes right to that channel. Now, I don't think it'll be able to do that with this over the air, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the whole thing works yet. And like I said, I haven't played with it, so. Yeah, it's not out. So you'll, yeah. you'll, it will be coming in if you want to you know, plug in your antenna, be able to pull it down that way. There are a bazillion other ways to do this. When we think about... You know, I thought this is where you were headed with the DVR is with Hulu Plus, with Roku, with HBO now, with, you know, everybody's moving to this Amazon Prime. Everybody's moving to this on-demand. That's still, what I can't get on-demand, though, is sports, right? Yes. I can't get sports. And that's, sports is a gazillion-dollar industry here in the United States. And most of the time I'm DVRing something, I am DVRing sports stuff that I just can't get anywhere else. Or with the exception local. of Sling TV. Now with Sling TV, you can get ESPN and NBC and stuff like that. I think you can get NBC through Sling. But yeah. So it's starting to become available. But yeah. you're right. Unless you have that cable sign-in, then you can't watch, you can't get it on demand. You know, what I find interesting is we have all these cable cutters, right? So all these people who are, I was sick of paying $300 a month or whatever your cable bill was, right? Uh, insert cable bill here. And then they're going to get... Over the next couple of years, they're going to get nickel and dimed with all these these disparate services, you know, like a Hulu. Well, I'm paying ten dollars for Hulu, and I'm paying twenty dollars for HBO Access, and I'm paying that. I think it's going to get back to that. To, and then they'll be like, I don't want to pay all these people. And then so somebody will come along. We'll put it all together for you for guess how much? Three hundred dollars, right? <laughs> or whatever that amount right. is. And so we cut the cable. It was like in the 80s and 90s. Man, I was vigilant about getting my home phone bill, right? I remember in the early 90s paying like hundreds of dollars for my home phone, you know, 120, 130, which was a lot of money, right? I was young and I was poor. And man, vigilant, vigilant, vigilant. I was the first one on voice over IP and I was getting it for two bucks a month and I was thought I was really cool and all that other stuff. And then cell phones came along, and I just replaced. <laughs> I have a $300 bill on my cell phone. Yeah. Well, and uh, I read something in the chat, and then I lost my train of thought. But um, i got to stop doing that. Cable cutting? But, yes, but cable cutting. So uh, my buddy Colin Ball and I actually a few weeks ago did an entire show on open mic night about cutting the cord, and we said the exact same thing. So we kind of walked people through. I kind of had a, a few-step process and uh, on how to decide if cable cutting is for you. And so the first step was to kind of watch TV for two weeks as you do right now. So with your cable, watch TV and just kind of keep a note, maybe on a piece of paper that you keep by the TV, of all the things you watch. 
And then step two would be, okay, so after two weeks, you've kind of got a general gist of the shows you watch and a good idea. Then go and see how many of those are available on different platforms besides cable, so whether it be Hulu, Netflix, or anything like that. But then step three is you've got to go in and add up the price of how many different services you're going to have to buy and then you've got your total price. And then you see, okay, is this actually more affordable? And what am I giving up? What things can't I get like sports and stuff like that? So it's kind of a really, it's not as easy as, uh, as it seems to consider cutting the cord. But for my wife and I, basic cable is included with our apartment complex. So we pay, it's just included. So you get your basic one through 70 or whatever it is. It's never on. Uh, we watch all of our stuff through Hulu. My wife and I just sit down and we have our friends on Netflix, whatever we're going through at the time. But the only thing that we watch on regular TV is sports, just like you said. So even though we have it, so I have, if I if I actually paid for it, I'd probably cut that cord. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't. We do over the air, and I still record. I have Windows Seven boxes uh, out. I have a you know a DVR out in the living room and one back here. We're still doing it old school. Tim says in chat, Tim Black says, I really uh, don't think Xbox One will ever have a DVR functionality. Just don't see it happening. Microsoft has pretty much abandoned Media Center just for that reason. That's a, he says that's his two cents. He might be right. He might be right. I, you know, there's there's some costs involved. There's some development involved. When, it, when we talk about recording those, it gets a little messy. And so there's other ways to do it with uh, XBMC and Plex. And, I mean, there's... Right now, there's so many different options. Eventually, they'll consolidate. They always do, right? I mean, think about the different devices we have, the Chromecast, the Fire Stick. The, we've got some of these all-in-ones coming out now. We have a $150 HDMI Windows 7 capable all-in-one that you could plug into the HDMI port. It's just a little stick that's running Windows 7. And you could, uh, I think, you could, you could load Media Center on that. And uh, now it has no memory. I have very little memory on it, and it's not not the way you'd want to do it. You want something with a little bit of power. Um, well, and sure. I don't think they want to battle with all of the companies on how you know because they have to secure it down because you can't just be storing all the stuff and be able to record anything and then have people having these on a hard drive. So I don't think they just want to worry with all that when honestly you can just do it through your cable box or like you said with all these on-demand services anyway. Do we even need it? I think you know for the longest time Microsoft was into fighting every single battle, right? And I think they just like, why do we want to fight this one? You know, let's just let this, let's let some other people, there's no money in it for the most part. Let's let some other people, especially if the, you know, a Chromecast, $35, a Fire Stick, $40, uh, Apple's got their TV, $99, a Roku between $99 and $299, right? And you got some options all in between there. Tableau is another one of those Dave talks about on Home Service Show when we have them on surfacegeeks.net. Um, that's another one that's kind of appeared in this in this ecosystem. So um, lots of different ways to consume content. Last night I was just watching YouTube natively, <laughs> surprisingly in a browser, full screen. I just went right to YouTube and I was watching some videos. You don't do that too often? I don't do it a lot, no, okay. not very often. But uh, I was kind of goofing around watching some, I, I was YouTube surfing. I was having trouble sleeping last night and, and so I just was YouTube surfing and now with autoplay on YouTube, you can literally just let it play and play. Oh yeah, and play and play. I find one hunting video, and all of a sudden I've sat there for an hour watching because you just don't even realize it. Sometimes I look down and for, don't even notice it switches. I'm like, well, these are different guys. I didn't know. 
No, it's switched. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah autoplay sure. feature can be dangerous. It's like Netflix. It's the whole binge watching mentality where sometimes it pops up saying, Are you still watching? You're like, Yes, sadly, I'm still watching Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nathaniel just jumped into chat and he said, Hey, did you guys mention the possibility of a tuner for Xbox One? We just did. So, Nathaniel, you can zip back a little bit and. Uh, we just talked about that coming out here in the next couple months. That's available. It'll be interesting. I've been toying with the idea of picking up an Xbox One just to have it. Um, haven't haven't pulled the trigger on it. So I don't know. You can only have so many. I know this is sacrilege for this show, but you can only have so many gadgets. So it's uh, it's one of those things for sure. Well, the thing for me on the Xbox One though was it's still not the device that I use to watch Netflix and Hulu. For me, the Apple TV or anything like that, a Roku. Is going to be a lot. It's a lot easier, a lot better. I don't have to power on my Xbox controller and wait for it to load and go through all the menus. For me, still the Apple TV is how I consume all that. So really, for me, it's playing games with friends, and then eventually I'm going to get my Plex server running on it and everything like that. So, but as of right now, if I wasn't gaming, it would be an extremely overpriced box that does Netflix and Hulu. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, some interesting things for the house, right? I mean, it's this is the cool. This is there's a whole revolution going on with that kind of content. Uh, yeah, it's happening right now before our very eyes. So, um, pretty cool. Speaking of a revolution, uh, I thought two years ago watches were dead, right? Like think back just a couple years ago, nobody was wearing them. If you bought them, you were only buying really gaudy, big Swiss or expensive timepieces that they were timepieces, right? They they kept the time. That's what they did, right? They were designed to do that. I kind of thought watches were done. There, were, there was always be a market for those, but um, then Apple announces, you know, a couple, uh, some back, you know, there's always been some rumors of watches. And of course, we fast forward to a couple weeks ago, they make the big watch announcement and everybody's consumed that. I don't want to necessarily regurgitate that because there's a million different places you can get information about the, the Apple Watch. But Mike, I wanted to have a conversation with you personally on this. You're a Mac guy. You've had a couple weeks to digest it now. You got a week before these things are no tomorrow, right? They're tomorrow. available for yep. pre-order. Exactly. Right? They're available for pre-order tomorrow. Uh, what do you think? You've had a couple weeks to think through this as an Apple guy. Where do you land on the watch? Ask me tomorrow after I go make my trip out to the Apple store, but no. So obviously having not felt it and touched it and played with it, it's still one of those just concept ideas in my head that I have to think about, when would I use this device? So obviously being an Apple guy, when I first heard about it, I'm really excited. Apple's finally coming out with a wearable. They're a little late to the game, um, or quite late to the game, however you want to um, construe that. But So I was excited. Uh, but when I first saw it, honestly, I'll be honest, I did not like the design. I didn't like how it looked. I thought, wow, that square, kind of thick, chunky-looking watch, it, that's just not my style. I'm more of kind of the sleek, circular, uh, was, it the, which, was it the Moto wearable? That's that circle. Looks really nice. I don't know. I liked that one a lot more. But, uh, but now that it's starting to kind of, people are getting there in their hands and doing the reviews, I'm starting to see that I might be back to, you know, I kind of like the way it looks now. So that was kind of, I went through this stage of now I look at it, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not as bad as I think. But for me, it's all about the use case. So I think that even when we start going and playing with these in the Apple store, it's not going to be until middle of May, end of May, when people have had these for a month and we start to see, okay, our, how do are we actually using the Apple Watch in our everyday life? But there's honestly not too many differences between the Apple Watch and some of the wearables we have now. They didn't innovate too much. So when people say that Apple, you know, usually waits around and the reason they wait to release a product, the reason they relate to the game was to innovate, I didn't really see that in the Apple Watch. It was one of those devices that they kind of have the same features as a lot of the other wearables do. 
So it'll be interesting to me to see how many people buy it, how many people use it. And then they said they already have like 2,000 plus app applications for Apple Watch apps. And I'm just wondering, the conversations I've been hearing about the applications for the Apple Watch are kind of baffling to me. First of all, Apple really hyped Instagram. And I just cannot imagine myself scrolling through an Instagram feed on my phone. I just don't, or on my, on my wrist. That's just not how I want to consume Instagram. But some other things, the like Uber. I would think Uber on the Apple Watch makes a ton of sense. Just being able to look at my watch, request an Uber, things like that. But I think when I start, I want to see the applications and see how they're going to look on the Apple Watch, how they're going to function. And with obviously with it being all voice, no keyboard, it'll just, it'll just be extremely interesting in these next few weeks to see how it goes. But I'm not expecting big things. I think they will sell uh, as many as they can make. I think that because I think they're going to constrain the market a little bit. And if you, I talked about it on my show, but they're offering their employees 50% off of the Apple Watch. So they want all their employees to kind of go in there and grab these watches for 50% off. And I think that's a good move by them. One, because the way that word of mouth is huge. And if I have a friend that's an Apple employee, they start wearing this thing in their everyday life. Beyond them being able to sell me a lot better in the Apple store, I think just having them going out and telling their friends about it, having their friends try it on and feel it, I think that was a good move by Apple is to get their employees wearing the watch, just like the iPhone uh, when they first came out. Getting it in their hands is important. So You don't, you don't think they sensed some lackluster sales and, uh, and, and did... I mean, that's a Microsoft move, right? That, that's how they moved the Surface, the RT, the original RT, right? It was like, well, hey, I mean, I got one for 160 bucks because I was an MVP. So you don't think I that's thought that about kind of move? No, I don't think so. Because honestly, I mean, Apple, Apple being Apple, I think they're... Uh, a little too cocky for that, to be honest. I think I think still, they it's still fresh, right? Yeah, but. right. So I think they they know that they can sell their product, and I think they can. I think they'll they'll sell whatever they make, and they're very smart. Apple is one of the best logistic companies out there, and you know they sometimes even have you know just a constricted market on purpose. They say, oh, you know, well, you know, if you don't order this during the pre-order period, you're gonna have to wait three months before you get this device. So they do that on purpose to drive the market, drive attention to the watch. And so I think it's all with a purpose. Apple doesn't do anything. And other companies don't as well. I'm not saying this is strictly Apple, but companies don't do that without a reason. So I do think it's honestly to spread the word because it's a first-generation product. That's what we got to remember. And I guess that's another kind of my, to wrap up my spiel is that I'm going to wait, I think, for the second edition. I, I usually always do. I didn't have the first iPhone when it came out. One, because I couldn't afford it when I was 14 years old, but also because I like to wait for that second-generation and I think seeing the second generation on all wearables, but especially the Apple Watch, is going to be going to be my key. So, yeah, I I don't disagree with you. I I watched a big, I watched a couple of videos on it last night in preparation for the podcast, just to kind of get a feel for you know it's been a couple of weeks now and there's been some people touching it and and it was like yeah now what what I think the watch does better than the actual phone does. And now that I'm on an iPhone, I think I can say this: notifications on the watch better than on the phone. So. It's really? one of those kind like you can actually see them. Uh, the the notifications on iOS are okay. Android still does it better than anybody else. The the Android notifications are dynamite, right? Uh, Windows Phone notifications kind of clunky in that, and, and unfortunately that notification center is migrating to Windows 10, and it's got to go. This isn't laid out very well, but I was just talking to someone how the notification center in the iPhone is pretty much useless at this point. Yeah. If I have a notification that comes in and I don't see it right away. I'm like, okay, you would think, let's swipe down the notification center and find it. No, because all your notifications for the past few months have built up in there, and the newest ones are not on top, which wow. still 
baffles me. It's it's ordered so, all weird and oh, it's awful. You got to clear it often. This yes. is one of the things you got to make clear them all out before you can it. even find it. And while yeah. you're clearing, you got to look at you know the time since that notification before you can even find it. So yeah, yeah, Android will, at this point. Android will group them together sometimes to make that list smaller, so you can you know you can go in. I mean, it, just Android's getting it right from a notification standpoint. So coming from the Android world, going to going to iPhone and then looking at the notifications, I'm super confused by the notifications on the iPhone. It's like, oh, this is, okay, I'm going to have to learn some new things. I watched the demo on the watch, looked really good, right? It's like they were clear, they were concise, they were in order. So that may be something I would want to check out. If I was going to do that, I probably wouldn't go with the watch. But if I was going to do it, uh, that's something I would, you know, what's weird about these watches is like, they they sport all these fitness capabilities, and yet they're they've got regular bands on them. And I want a sport band if I'm when I'm working out. If I've got the a, sport edition has the sport. Yeah, band but then on it, but. you got to change the bands. You know, if you want to like say yeah. I want to wear it all day and then I want to run in it. Well, do you change the band? That seems. Well, no, changing. the sport edition comes with just that. I mean, that's the band you right. get. But I guess what you're saying is if you want yeah. this to be kind of a watch you wear all the time, a nice yeah. watch. Yeah. No, I kind of agree on that because the watch I like is the middle kind of, it's the just the Apple Apple Watch and it has the leather band on it. But you're right, working out you'd have to have kind of a completely separate band, and those bands are not cheap. I was shocked at how expensive those bands are. I mean, you're looking at a couple hundred dollars just for the band of the watch. So yeah, yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> it's a little Microsoft esque, you know. And they charge $130 for a keyboard. You know, you're like, and those bands are pretty expensive. So yeah. it's uh, it it will be interesting to see. I, you know, I I like it more than I liked it when it first came out. I sh- I'm not sure I would buy it yet. I'd like to see a couple people with it. I'm with you. I'm gonna wait. Even on the band, I would wait a second, maybe a second year. I just purchased a Garmin 220, four, a Forerunner 220. Not a smartwatch. I've talked about it before on the show. Does everything I needed to do, and that's the watch. The thing that's best for you is the thing that works for you, right? That's I will. On this show, if you're brand new to the show, I will always say that we don't. You know, lots of times we're like, I like this, I like that. This is better. This is better. Really, the best thing for you is the thing that works for you. So, uh, for me, I love my Garmin 220. I will. I'll wear that thing until it wears out. I'm not sure if I'll go with the fitness band because I kind of have one. Uh, when I pair it with my phone, uh, and so I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to go run out and get one of these, um, you know, when they come out. Speaking of watches, though, here's what's interesting. So I was on the verge doing some research for the show tonight, and they have videos that just keep playing, much like YouTube. And so I was watching the iPhone or the uh, the watch video, and then there's a whole bunch of videos. There's a big watch conference. Yes, they have watch conferences that's going on or in Geneva. It's got to be Geneva, Switzerland. Because that's where really the best watches in the world are made there. <laughs> if you're going to buy a good watch, what's happening is some of these Swiss watches, is, and I think of um, I think of Vector as one of these. Just uh, Google Vector watches. There's some pretty nice watches. You're not going to get into one for 350 bucks. Okay, so they start at like 900 bucks. But here's the deal: they're all getting these smartwatch features built into them now, and so like they have a heart rate monitor and they're they're tracking steps, and so interesting that this pressure for fitness has made its way to the luxury mar- the the luxury watch market and those guys are feeling enough pressure to change over and put that stuff in their watches and so i was just i kept watching i'm like really this is really high. i thought maybe fitbit and and uh, um, garmin and microsoft and samsung i mean you think of those you don't think of the swiss companies but they're doing it 
So pretty interesting. Even had one at a complete digital front. It was a round watch, like, like, like that. And I like the style. It was round. It was Swiss, and it was completely digital. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Is how is the display? So if you have all this data coming in, how are you accessing it? So it is digital then. Yeah, completely digital. Gorgeous, and they have their own apps. And so it was like, wow. Now again, I watched a video of this, but just from a geek standpoint, from a gadget standpoint, one of those kinds of things. It's like. Well, if you like really, and there's guys who like really expensive watches. They just do. And you can, sure, you can get an Apple Watch for $10,000. And I even saw one for seventeen. Can you hear Sarah? She's losing <laughs> behind me uh, watching something super funny. I don't know what that is. But um, you can spend a lot of money on these watches too. Like I said, they start at 1000 bucks. So so I think, can I say the watch is back? Would, would you agree with me that at one point in time the watch was kind of dead? Well, I was going to tell you, the funny part about this whole watch, this whole wearable movement is I really don't have as much interest in a smartwatch as I thought. The thing, If you look through my Amazon search history, it's been at classic watches, leather band, normal watch. For me, it's almost made me have this nostalgic feeling of those watches and want one of those more than a smartwatch. So I don't know. Yes, I would agree. The resurgence of the watch, definitely. But for me, it's almost doing having the opposite effect because... I'm already inundated with notifications, and yes, the ease of use of everything like that, but surprisingly, coming from the big tech nerd, you know, 20-whatever-year-old kid, I don't know if I need one more device that's buzzing on my body. <laughs> I know. How long? We are, I already have phantom buzzing where I think yes. something is... <laughs> oh, I already do too. If I, walk, if I wear a certain, like, there's one pair of work pants I have, and just the fabric it's made of, the way I walk, I feel like I'm buzzing all the time. So yeah. I don't know what it is. But And the one thing is I don't know how, with the Apple Watch, there's a lot of conversation going around with actual settings on notifications and how Apple actually went way more granular than you would expect them to. And it's almost overwhelming with the amount of settings you can go in and turn off and on, which makes sense. Because I do want certain notifications and not others. I don't want this watch to be pretty much constantly lighting up. But, um, but yeah, we'll have to see how the settings work for the Apple Watch as well with that built-in app that's on the phone. That is kind of a departure from simple. What used to be, right, they used to pride themselves on being simple. It was exactly. simple and elegant. And if I'm, you know, how long is it going to be before we're all in meetings? Now, today we're all in meetings doing this. How long is it going to be before we're in meetings doing this? Yeah. You know. One second, you gotta whisper your text message or your email into your, Hold into on, your watch. Talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring I'll bring up my call on Or someone's playing games, they're playing Fruit Ninja, just swiping away on their wrist. Not even <laughs> How good of a game how good of a game could you make on a watch? Come on. I'm not sure. Not, yeah. It, I thought it was ridiculous when we moved to the phones. I thought geocaching would be kind of fun with a watch though. No, right you on. Know? Going, yeah. but you know, just having your kind of on setting, your wrist and, and then like setting uh, setting waypoints and setting that kind of stuff. If you were hiking, uh, Garmin is big in this space. They have some really expensive watches for this kind of stuff that you don't ever see. You got to go to specialty markets to buy them. But Garmin's got some great GPS waypoint setting where you can mark, you know, do uh, mark stuff that way. Yeah, and. Um, there was a game from back in the from maybe a year or two ago, and maybe the chat room can help us out. I don't know if you ever played it. It was a game that was only on Android, and so I never had access to it. But pretty much, I think it was run by Google, and what it, it was almost like a territory game. And so, in all your different cities where you go, you could go to, and you if you snapped a picture 
or if you were at this certain location, you got points, and pretty much it was a data-building game where the company was actually getting a bunch of data from the users, but the users were just playing it as a game. I can't remember the name of that, but yeah. um, you something two sides, like right? And you had yeah, to, you had to kind exactly. of, yeah, what two was that sides. I cannot remember, but... I haven't heard about that in a while, but um, there, there's also, Stuff there's a like company that. that's trying, I forget who this is, that's trying to learn how the, the neural, you know, the stuff in your brain works, and they've set up this game that you can play that will tell them, and the more you play it, the more data they get on this information, and so they're encouraging you, the, the science, you think it's hardcore science, they're getting you to play games to get the science done. Well, there's the reverse thing, too, where they use the science to keep you in the game. You know, there's a reason they set up games like uh, Candy Crush and Clash of Clans where you end up spending a lot of money on the application because they've gone through the neural science of just the same thing as like gambling, how casinos use that science of how the brain works to get you to just keep pressing that button and keep spending money. And yeah. so like, it's going both ways now. Kind of fun, but I digress. Yeah. Well, no, that's one of those interesting things that how long before they're sending complex problems uh, distributed to, to your phone or your watch and you're by playing the game, you're helping solve some of those things that yeah. they're going back. The PlayStation you know. 3 used to have that. There was some app you could install where you were pretty much signing up your PlayStation 3 to be a hardware computer that this research company could use. So they could use your computing power of your PS3 while you weren't using it. And uh, kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, well, SETI, the old that started, SETI at home, SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay. Um, that, that was a company that started this way back. Geez, this would have been in the late 90s and the first when we first got online, and it was a screensaver. And so you would download the screensaver, and every time you weren't using your computer, the screensaver would come on, and it was running. What they were doing was collecting terrestrial data of uh, sounds out in space, and they were looking for anomalies. And, of course, that took super supercomputers to process, but they spread that out across everybody's computer, right? And it would run, and that was a project called SETI at Home. And then the, the cancer guys figured out, hey, uh, some of our problems are protein folding, and that takes high-power computing. We could do the same thing. And so I actually have a PC still running SETI at Home right right, right really? in front of me. Yeah, it runs in the background. And, uh, and it's it's an interesting distributed computing that way is an interesting problem because we do have these extra cycles that we're not necessarily using. Imagine if we could harness the power of those and everybody instead of instead of you know having NASA buying billion dollar computers and they're probably not that much anymore million dollar computers to set them up, we could use those spare cycles to donate back to get some things done, especially. We've had now two in our family, or our close friends, two very serious cancer uh, notifications of friends that are in stage four. Uh, one of them, I know, is in stage four. And, you know, you just cancer sucks, man. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just terrible. And I, I do anything to, I donate anything to, to be able to cure cancer. Because people, it's just a terrible, terrible, just a terrible thing. So if I could give away some spare CPU cycles that would help uh, cancer research, I think nanotechnology is what's going to cure cancer. I think we're going to figure out how to get little tiny robots that are going to go in there and just destroy those cancer cells. And remember the old, you probably don't, there's an old Star Trek. I think it's like Star Trek 2 or 3 or 4, one of those. And it's the old William Shatner days. And, and uh, McCoy goes into a hospital and there's a gal with diabetes. And, he, and she's, getting a, she's getting you know dialysis done. And he gives her a pill and she's, she's cured right at that point. And you know, I think maybe in our lifetime we might see some of those those things happen. Nanotechnology is getting pretty pretty good. So. Oh yeah, my wife and I were talking about that actually on our 
last drive to the farm of all things was things in our blood, little tiny robots that could go in and yeah. Even even if they're not cleaning up anything, if they're just sending data back to the doctor to have better analysis or better information, it's still yeah awesome. Yeah. Now some cool stuff. Hopefully, home gadget geeks in like 2035 when we're still doing this. Uh, it's 20 years from now. I'll be almost 70. Um, by the time we by the time that happens, um, hopefully we'll be talking about those things. You'll you'll just be you'll be like what 30? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be 32 now. <laughs> Very cool. I'll be 44. Well, um, I think I'll wrap it with that. Anything else, Mike? You want to throw in? We're 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 at our time here. Uh, anything else you want to throw in from the week? Um. No, I think there's some exciting topics coming up, some good guests coming up that I'm excited to talk about, but maybe I'll save some of my stuff for then when hopefully I have some better bandwidth. I just do not know what's going on tonight. We'll, no, that's okay. Now you can I'm excited to play it. with it's this fun. after the At least show. your audio is good. That's the, really, that's the thing that was most important. Yeah. Uh, Kevin had called in uh, last week. Uh, so again, if you want to call in, leave your tips or questions or comments, Kevin, 402-478-8450. You should write that down. Put it in your phone. Kevin had called in because uh, we had birthed this idea about you and I doing kind of a phone review because we've all, you haven't had a Windows phone yet, but between the no. two of us, and I've had all three phones, and I'd asked for some ideas on, I said, hey, you know, what are what are some ideas, uh, if we were going to do this, how would we do it? Kevin had a suggestion. Here, listen to him. Hey, Jim, Kevin here. Looking at your, uh, looking at the last show, phenomenal show, by the way. Uh, home That's a little self-serving, by the way. Zero eight. Um, your question on doing... Uh, building off from Megabyte's question on doing a, a, a show, um, to me it's less about comparing the three phones, the iOS, Android, and Windows. The thing I always think about with those is the things I do with them that I take for granted. And uh, some of that comes up, the, the guys doing the agnostic podcast kind of delve into that a little bit about, um, you know, like push notifications and how each phone kind of integrates and does those kind of um, um, alerts and uh, um, the message centers and how apps work with inside of those. So that's that's kind of what I would look at as a great comparison is things that you might take for granted that one phone does that another phone doesn't do. So any any surprises you've had between the three phones I think would be great. Uh, and then looking at uh, um, the app structure of you know, maybe comparing the same app on each of the three phones that you use. You know, start start at the highest level of things that you use and uh, work down from there. Um, but so to me, that's less of a comparison of the phone and more of a comparison of the experience, so to say. And uh, there you have it. And and I do appreciate the phone number because it's uh, uh, nice for a lazy guy like me who hates to type emails. Take care. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Is that uh, you'll you'll do what Kevin did? Give us a call 402-478-8450. Those are really helpful, by the way, just to, for folks to call in. Mike, on your show, you take call in. How's that going so far for your for your show? It's, you're back, right? On doing call yeah. in stuff. Yeah, back call ins. Maybe one a show. I used to get actually. I was listening back. Um, someone emailed me actually saying, "Hey, like one of your guys who called in." in, let's say, October. And so I went back and was listening to some of those episodes, and we had quite a few call-ins back then. Um, but yeah, it goes well, and I, I kind of like it. I like having them call in live during the show. I, I like how we do it, too, where you can you know, have them call in and record it. But when they call in live, it's almost, I feel like I can inter interact with them a little bit better. Yeah. But the problem is, 
you don't know what they're going to say. So you can yeah, be caught completely tough. off guard and not have any answer. Or It is tough. So, it is tough. If you yeah. want to call those in. I prefer it here on Saturday mornings on Ask the Podcast Coach. If you're thinking about, if you're maybe in, you're in Grafton, West Virginia, and uh, you just caught our show, and you're thinking about, hey, I want to start a podcast, uh, or I'm thinking about starting a podcast, or I'm wondering what podcasting is, we do a uh, Ask the Podcast Coach, Dave Jackson and I do that show on Saturday mornings, 930 Central, 10.30 Eastern, out at uh, askthepodcastcoach.com. You can join us for that. And we do allow live call-ins. And that's, that's a format with Dave and I that works really well. I don't know if I would want to do that here with you guys. We get so much good chat, and I think we keep it on track and this nice blend between the chat room and what we're doing here. And there's just, like, the chat is just dynamite. If you're not out for the live show, you should join us Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. The chat is rich. We've got some of the smartest guys in the planet in our chat room. And uh, and so there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, there's a lot of good collective intelligence. Between everybody in our chat room, we have the Borg. So that's the, or at least the beginnings of the Borg. Although I don't know if I want to be paired up with all these guys. <laughs> so <laughs> that are out there. But uh, that being said, uh, I want to invite you to those as well. Remind you to use our Amazon affiliate link if you're out there uh, buying from Amazon, theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. I actually, we bought some stuff. You know, um, for many of you, uh, I always recommend, you know, I've got this uh, kind of fancy arm and this microphone. It really does change when you're talking on Skype or talking on Google+, even if you're not podcasting, it completely changes the experience to plug these earbuds into the microphone and hear it all to, all in one. And so if you're a tech guy and you're not using a really good mic, by the way, less than 100 bucks for all this stuff, right? Good pair of earbuds, 20 bucks from earbuds. A good microphone, 40 to $60, depending on when you buy it from Amazon. It's the ATR2100 or the AT2005. And then today I bought some $15 arms that we're going to display on uh, at, I'm doing a live podcast in a couple weeks at Infotech 2015 here in Omaha. You guys know if you've been listening for a while. Twice a year I do a two-day conference and I interview 15 uh, keynote speakers. Uh, oh, I just lost uh, lost the video feed. Uh, hold on. Let me, let me see if I can bring this back. Uh, you can still see me, right? From that standpoint. Yeah, I can okay. Still see you. So we lost. Hold on, we lost. Uh, we lost sound. On. Let me hang this one up. Just a second. If you're listening to the, well, I guess if you're listening to the audio, <laughs> it's not going to matter. I'm going to. Oh, and then Mixler just quit. That's kind of cool. Everything's coming crashing down. Let's get uh, logged back in. We'll close well, that. Bringing it in anyway. So. Yeah, it's a good thing. We're kind of bringing. We're bringing the horses into the barn here. Yeah. Can you guys still hear us out there in the chat room? Let's just make sure that's... And then we'll recover. We're going to recover that on Mixler. That's the beauty of Mixler, I'll be honest with you. It senses, hey, you got this show already going on. Do you just want to kind of come back and, and do it? Spreaker, looks like Spreaker's still working. Just okay. All right, so uh, let's see. Where was I? I'll have to splice that all together. Oh, uh, so I have, I'm going to demo some of these arms that are 15 bucks to see. I sent them to Christian and Ashton and uh, for them to try out. They've liked them okay. I think you've got That's one That's what too, I right? use. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, I, I use it. I have, uh, I don't know if you can see, I got two of them. Actually, I have one right behind me. Yeah. It's the yeah, whole thing. Right. So you, this is actually a good view of it because you can see how short it is. It's not a big one like yours, but uh, yeah, just clamps right on the desk here and... I wish I had the black version, but besides that, they're fantastic arms. And, and I totally agree with you. If you have not used a high-quality microphone, and when, when, when I say high-quality, just like you said, $40 to $60, definitely 
worth it. Now I have two of them. And when you've talked to someone on Skype that uses it, or when they hear you for the first time, like, wow, you sound really clear. And it's, it's almost addicting. I can't talk on Skype without using the microphone. I'll pull it I over use, all the time. use it all the time. Yep. Yeah. And I was just talking to Christian before the show, and uh, I... We just do. We just use mics. It's yeah. it's so it totally changes the quality. So, uh, but I I have not tried them out myself, and I needed a couple, so uh, I I took advantage of the tech scholarship fund. I'll write that up, for and you could as well if you have a piece of equipment you're wanting to try. Let me know. It's usually between fifty and hundred bucks. We'll buy that for you. I'll ship it to you directly. You review it for a couple weeks. We like we had some discussions this week around uh, uh, this kind of review, the integrity of the review. How can you, and I think it was Lopta, how can you review something that you've had for three hours, right? You you unbox it, you look at it, you write a review, right? I, I cannot tell you how many reviews are like that. And I try to I try to give it a week or two at least to mess around with it. And like, you know, that Kingston device you've got now. And so it's in your hands and we keep we keep trying it out and, and hopefully, and so I wanted to have a few of those stands. I'm going to take them with me to the Infotech conference. If, by the way, if you want to watch those interesting tech interviews, we'll do those live uh, through the channel. Go out to theaverageguy.tv and look at the calendar, and you can see uh, what month are we in? April? April 21st and 22nd. Those are coming up. And we're going to try and record a Cyber Frontiers tomorrow night live. Uh, 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 Christian's going to be at a cyber conference, and we're going to do some live on the floor stuff. So if you're not doing anything tomorrow night, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, again, that's out there at theaverageguy.tv live. And uh, if you want to pick up on that, that'll be great as well. And then, one last reminder, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, now would be a great time to do it. Uh, the spamming stuff is over. It seems to have slowed down. I'm getting the one a week that I would normally get, so I have no idea why I got all those people. But uh, come on out and uh, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, you won't get another one until the end of the month, but uh, it's a good, good way to stay in contact with me. And I sometimes give you some stuff in there that you don't get on the show. So... It's a way of uh, just getting some inside on what we're doing here. We are live each Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We'd love to have you come out next time you're, you got a Thursday night. If you are listening from Grafton, West Virginia, welcome. We're glad that you're listening and glad that you're doing that. Come around, join us at theaverageguy.tv, and uh, we got a lot of tech stuff for you. If you've enjoyed the program, we got plenty more like it out there. And again, we'll say thanks to Roger for streaming that for us. We'll be back next Thursday. Mike, you were mentioning we got some guests coming up. In fact, we were supposed to have a guest tonight. You know, we kind of punted you and I uh, <laughs> tonight because of some of this host that came out. But uh, working on bringing Ryan Parker back, we uh, I I got Addie uh, coming back. She was on the show, if you remember, did a great job. We're going to talk about some WordPress and some uh, some blogging stuff. So it'll be kind of fun to. It's been a while since we've talked around the mechanics of that. Um, I've got Rich Hay coming back. We're going to talk about Windows uh, after he comes back from, I think it's Ignite or one of those conferences. So you're going to get some exclusive stuff from Rich. we got a lot of good stuff going on here. Hopefully you guys will stay around. We'll be back next Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at the Average Guy. TV Live. Stay around for the post show. Good night, everybody. <laughs>